I am thrilled that we have another cast member of The Chosen on this podcast. We interviewed Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus, Dallas Jenkins, who is the creator of the popular biblical series, and Noah James, who plays Andrew. The fun thing about Noah, I was just at lunch with him in Los Angeles because he had narrated The Broken Miracle Part 1. We were talking about him narrating part two. The Broken Miracle is a book by J.D. Netto that basically, through a fictional character, tells my story. It's based on real events, things that happened to me. This is a kind of a against the odds, beat the odds story of a kid born with only half a heart who learns to play the piano and how that gift helps change not only him but the lives of people around him and part two dives into a lot of loss and things that i experienced after i got my heart transplant that i don't think most people know about and so the broken miracle part one is available it is on amazon wherever you like to get your books and you can hear noah james who plays andrew in the chosen narrate the book And part two is available for pre-order. It is coming out in April of 2022. And I can't wait for you to get your hands on that story. Well, the one thing I like about this cast member of The Chosen, he's also in another show I love that has Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. It's called 1883. It's a pre-prequel to Yellowstone. And 1883 is about pioneers who migrate across the United States and the difficulties of doing that. And Jordan Walker Ross, little James from The Chosen, plays one of the pioneers in the 1883 saga. So I am just excited to dive into this with him. Jordan is very open about his disability. He was born with minor cerebral palsy and he's got severe soliosis and asthma and as someone like me born with half a heart who's had multiple surgeries while i'm trying to provide for my family uh, he understands so without further ado my guest from 1883 and the chosen the one and only jordan walker ross how you doing dude i'm a Huge fan of the work you're doing, especially right now on 1883. Oh, thank you so much. How's that going for you? Good, good. It was a uh, a long shoot. It was five months. Uh, I originally, when I I got the role, uh, I wasn't sure. They they only gave me like one scene, and they they said that I would be in multiple episodes. So I was like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll get you know a week or two of work. Um, and it turned into. I think I worked. Uh, at, uh, yeah, I worked exactly 60 days on the show uh, over the course of five months. So it was uh, it was a lot, but it was it was a blast. 
Well, you're obviously, did you guys, did you guys film that? Are you guys filming that in Texas? Is that where you're filming that? Yeah. So it was shot um, mostly in Texas. We shot a few weeks out in uh, Montana. Um, but then most of it, we shot like a little bit in Fort Worth, a little bit in uh, Amarillo and then in the middle of nowhere in between. So um, yeah, yeah, it was fun. Well, it's cool because you've been, you know, you've been filming the chosen in Utah and then you're on this show. And what's crazy is, so I'm from Utah. So I'm born and raised in Utah and I live out in Nashville, Tennessee. And so uh, it, the funny, you always see these connections with people. Um, so where they were filming Yellowstone uh-huh. on the property owned by some family friends that we have and uh, all of the other Yellowstone stuff is in Oakley, Utah. Okay. Oakley, Utah is only about maybe an hour and a half from Goshen. Yeah. Yeah. Where Jerusalem uh, is. Right. Yeah. It's that's a thing. I loved shooting out and I I loved being in Montana as well, but Utah, whenever we were shooting the chosen out there, uh, we stayed in Provo and then uh, made the the drive out to Goshen every day to shoot. So it was like a bit of it was like an hour drive. Um, But I loved it. Like the getting to drive through the, the mountains and everything every day and, the scenery and, and just even like going into, uh, we went to Sundance and to park city and, uh, it was, uh, shooting in Utah. It was one of my favorite places I've, I've ever shot. If not my, my number one. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Cause Noah, Noah, James, uh, people that are listening yeah. to James, who is Andrew. And, uh, he also narrated, uh, the broken miracle, which is a story, uh, about my life and, and, uh, fic- fictional, fictional, um, and uh, yeah, he said the same thing. He loves to go on like a jog in Provo, Utah. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's just interesting to see where that show has taken people into, into our neck of the woods, you know, over there. And everybody in Utah is embracing that For show. Sure. Obviously, Daryl Eves, who is in charge of a lot of the things, uh, has that connection to that culture, that religion, everything there. So it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, they were so warm. The whole city was the the whole state because we, uh, you know, ventured out to other areas whenever we weren't shooting because there were we were out there for almost two months and, you know, uh, there'd be a whole week where they only used, you know, they were shooting a bunch of other scenes without the main characters. Uh, and uh, so we would all just kind of have time to hang out and, and explore. And there were so th- those were my first uh, experiences being out in Utah of being recognized uh just like at, on the street or in a coffee shop or at target i i had someone yell across the men's clothing section at target little james and it even mask on and people they still somehow recognize me so that was surreal for all of us because they a, a lot of people out there knew we were shooting so i think they were kind of keeping an eye out um and then uh seeing us all like eating out, you know, at a pizza place, you know, outside and someone would stop by and want to take a picture. It was just really, really cool, especially considering where the show came from when we're all, oh, nobody's not that I'm not saying we're like, oh, we're somebody now, but it's like, we're all these people that, you know, we're just thankful for a job, um, but had no idea what the chosen would become. And, you know, then from going, going from that to like people recognizing us on the street was, was really special. You're like little James. Come bless my, uh, come bless my burrito. Right. <laughs> bless, bless my uh, non non caffeinated non coffee whatever. I don't. They're drinking a lot of yeah. soda in Utah. Uh, right. 
<laughs> isn't, it, isn't it because being in Utah, I, you know, you go to get your coffee, but then also right next to it is the soda drive through for, for people in minivans. They get there, they get their soda. I don't know if you saw any of that. It's this I did. phenomenon. It was bizarre. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff like that. That was, that was, I, I hadn't experienced that, uh, you know, in Texas or anywhere else really, yeah. but it was, uh, it was a cool place. It was, it was really, you know, the restaurants, the, the people, the, there was all sorts of fun stuff to do in Provo and just walking around. It was a, a beautiful one too. So I, I really hope we get to go back and shoot. Well, I, yeah, I think you will be, uh, you've got yeah. a great facility there and they've been helpful. Well, thank you for being on the podcast, all heart. Uh, you know, you are somebody who is making a huge impact in so many people's lives and you know you have your own podcast what's your limp i want to talk about that but you you're from uh fort worth texas yes yeah born uh, i was born in arlington and then uh lived in fort worth my life uh, other than i spent about 10 years on and off out in la okay. uh from my teens into my my early 20s but uh for the most part i've, I've lived in fort worth my whole life and i've got family in keller texas so oh, cool yeah neighbors yeah neighbors out there over that's over in glenn beck's world yeah over there so that's cool i love uh forward texas it's uh, what was uh what was it like growing up there and were you traveling out of texas very much as a kid or was that yeah. pretty much your, how you saw the world um so yeah i i enjoyed it we grew up um with my it was me my mom my brother my sister and my grandpa who is uh, Barry Corbin, the actor, and we uh, were we all lived with him uh, in this this house in Fort Worth. But we had 15 acres with a uh, you know a barn and horses and Longhorns, and we had a couple bison. Um, it was a, a really cool like so we kind of had the ranch life, but we were also it was an odd positioning because we were right there next to you know 10 minutes from downtown Fort Worth where like right on the border of Arlington. So we were around a lot of bigger city, uh, you know, bigger population uh, areas, but we, we got to also experience a kind of quieter ranch life, but we were always, you know, running around. We went on a, a lot of trips and um, my grandpa would, would be shooting all over. So we, we'd yeah. go with him. Um, he, he did Northern exposure up in yeah. Washington. So we'd go stay with him up there. Uh, so we, we did a lot of, we got around, but Fort Worth was definitely our home base. Yeah. My eyes widened. Cause he's a, he's, he's won a bunch of Emmys for a bunch of stuff he's been in. He was in Lonesome Dove. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Urban Cowboy. Right. You know, he's in the, you know, he, he was in the, uh, 1883 at the beginning there, mm -hmm. which was, uh, do you ever just have grandpa, like read a book? Like you guys probably grew up just listening to him with his, expertise in in performance yeah it's kind of like, yeah. like kind of like a wilford brimley character right that he's a wilford was a, a good friend of my grandpa's he uh we grew up with with wilford as well but uh my yeah my grandpa was diabetes it, diabetes yeah yeah and oatmeal oh, no. um those are his two things but uh yeah he he my grandpa like has always been a great storyteller um and it, it was fun being on set with him, but I, like early on, I didn't really understand what he was doing. I just knew that was his job. 
And then eventually I kind of fell into theater when I was six. And that's when it kind of clicked like, oh, this is what I call him manpa. This is what manpa does. Like he, he pretends. Um, and uh, then it, then I became more interested in what he was doing. But um, yeah, it was cool. And looking back, it's like, like, you know, uh, Wilfred Brimley and then Ernie Borgnine was a good friend of my grandpa's and uh, even Sam Elliott, you know, who I, I up. So, uh, and then getting to work with him on 1883 was cool, but it's like all of these old legends yeah. uh, and then getting to, you know, have all these interactions with them, many of whom uh, are no longer with us, yeah. but I, I definitely like, I have a picture with Gregory Peck and oh. Ben Johnson and all these people. And it's like, I'm just really grateful. I got to experience all of that, especially now that I, I understand the significance of it. Yeah. Ernest Borgnine, his performance in Jesus of Nazareth. Right. That forever changed him because he had to play the Roman soldier that was in charge of seeing overseeing the crucifixion. And for me, next to the chosen, that miniseries is very Shakespearean. It, they go all out with all these, you know, British actors and all the yeah. actors in the world. And there's Ernest, this tough macho guy at the end, weeping. Such yeah. an incredible performance. He so. was so great. How fortunate are you to be around such talent? How much of, obviously that would wear off on you. And so when did this desire to become an actor, was it, you want to be like grandpa or did it just kind of happen? It was, it just kind of happened. I, I was really shy. I had a lot of medical issues. So I, I was home a lot and uh, really just felt comfortable talking to like my immediate family, my mom, my siblings, my, my grandparents. Um, so I, I had some friends like in school and stuff, but for the most part, I was really shy, really reserved. And one day we went with, uh, I had no desire watching my grandpa in movies and stuff. I didn't, as a young kid, I didn't think much of it, but then, uh, we went with, uh, some family friends to an audition for a community theater production of a Christmas Carol. And, uh, while we were sitting, it was one of those like auditions where you sit in the audience and then they call people up to, to sing or to, to read or whatever, uh, but we weren't auditioning. We were just there with our friends who were, and then we were going to go eat afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and while we were sitting there, uh, my mom went to the restroom and they were having young boys come up to, to sing silent night to, in audition for tiny Tim. Uh, and I ended up getting up on stage and singing silent night when I, and my mom walked out of the bathroom and just started crying because she was like, he's in front of people singing. Like it, it was something I, I don't know what, came over me but i just felt like i wanted to be up there doing that and then i played tiny tim in that production and from that moment i i'm very fortunate to have found my calling and my passion at such a young age because from then on there's never been anything else that i've wanted to do um as far as a, a work or, or my career goes so um yeah i just have, have stuck with it on you you brought your illness you know i was raised with you know only half a heart and i understand wow. A little bit. It's different for everybody. You have uh, severe scoliosis and minor cerebral palsy. And there was that episode in The Chosen where you actually, I mean, you, you bring that into your acting and you, you're saying, and I love the, uh, the little James saying, being asked, why don't you go ask the Lord to heal you? And when I had 
your dad on my program, uh, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> when I, and which, which if, if you have not heard the uh, podcast episode where Jordan is talking with Jonathan Rumi, go listen to it. It's hilarious. <laughs> you, you mentioned this scene where, and everybody has to picture this. Imagine uh, Jonathan, they just filmed this scene. You have the uh, disciples behind him and Jonathan is going off in his acting, you know, thespian glory. And as he starts walking away, Jordan, little James comes up and just starts holding his hand. And he's like, what's going on? What's, he's <laughs> hitting it away. And it would, the scene was over, but uh, you were, you were uh, harassing him pretty good. And you guys have this banter that's been going on. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but, but having him on the show, I said, you know, gosh, I'm not feeling good. Could you get into character and heal me? He goes, it doesn't work that way. So <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was, pretty, yeah. What's it like working with Jonathan? It's great. Uh, you know, I, uh, we, it, it's hard because like for me and Jonathan and me and George, uh, who plays John, we, uh, my relationship with both of them is like, I can rely on them and connect with them on a deep level. I've, I've had very deep conversations with them both. I've reached out to them uh, both whenever I've, I've needed someone to talk to so we can be very um, intimate in that way and share our feelings and all of that stuff. But uh, typically it's hard to tell when any of us are being serious because we're constantly doing bits and constantly you know, playing different characters on set, or if we're all just out eating or whatever, we're, we're constantly messing around. And there's so many little inside jokes that I, I can't even remember all of them until one of them like mentions it. Um, so it, it's really, really cool because getting to see Jonathan in that light and then seeing him turn on Jesus, you know, in, in, in himself and, and become this, uh, this, this character and, do it in such a believable and authentic way. The first time I met him was we were shooting the Shabbat dinner scene at Mary's house in season one. And that was my very first day on set. Um, and I, I remember just thinking like, Oh, this is cool. Like our costumes are cool on the monitor. It looks really good. Um, you know, this, if nothing else, this will be a good scene for my demo reel. And then, you know, I wasn't expecting it to go on for how, how long it's going on, but um, I just thought I was grateful to be a part of it. Um, and I was talking to Giovanni and Liz who play Thaddeus and Mary and just getting to know them. And then as we were talking, uh, Jonathan walks up and I was like, oh, this guy looks like Jesus. And he saw it was like 30 degrees out. Yeah. Right. Not a guy that and was... not a blonde hair, blue eyed guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, we, I saw the, I saw him walk up and it was really cold. We were shooting, uh, in like, it was 30 degrees and we had giant coats on. We were having to chew on ice cubes to stabilize the uh, the temperature in our mouth so you don't see our breath. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, it was freezing. And Jonathan saw that I was kind of shivering. I had a big jacket on, but I was still really cold. So he took his jacket off and put it on me. Um, and this was before we had even officially had any introduction. Uh, and I was like, this guy's really in character. But then <laughs> I realized like that's kind of the type of person he is. He he. Yeah um is very selfless and and you know not to say he's oh he's just because you know every he, it's he's very different from his character mm -hmm. um and uh but the the biggest similarity i would say is that he he does always think of other people he is very selfless and he does um you know go out of his way to 
to help other people and to be there for other people. And he's, you know, he's just a, a great friend. It's been really, really fun getting to work with him. And I am, I'm looking forward to eventually getting to really like play off of him in a scene where like between little James and Jesus, you know, hopefully that will happen down the road. I'm sure. I'm sure. Something will. Will come up. Hey, if you're a fan of the chosen, you need to write into Dallas and say, we want more little James parts. So, <laughs> you know, but no, it, it was fun to watch uh, Jonathan. He was so nervous meeting the Pope and uh, you could tell his heart is aligned with that and you got to respect it, but you were able to bring in your disability into a scene. Oh yeah. That's, was that something that Dallas said, you know, Jordan, you're very open about this. Can we do this? Or how did that come about? So that was um, going into the chosen. I hadn't booked anything in probably two or three years. It had been a while. I had gotten married, had kids. Um, so I, I didn't really, I was still pursuing it, but I was just like, I was discouraged as far as acting. I wasn't feeling great about myself physically. Um, I was just not in the best place mentally um, either. So it, I was struggling in that area, but I was still pursuing it. I was still going out on auditions, just not booking at all. Um, so I was working as a, an acting instructor and as a, uh, admissions rep at an acting college in Dallas. Uh, and it's also a studio that like casting directors rent out space to hold auditions. Um, and I got an audition notice in my email and it said for the chosen, I, like, I didn't know anything about it. And it was originally I auditioned for Andrew and, uh, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got the, the notice and I was like, okay, cool. Um, but then I saw that I had two, uh, like I had a class at like, you know, 11. And then I had a uh, tour of the school at like 1230 or something. And this audition was like at 12. Mm. So I was like, there's no way I can get to this audition instead of trying to reschedule. Like, I'm not going to book it anyway. I'm just going to cancel it. So I was about to cancel it. And I noticed on the email that the location for the audition was KD studio, which is where I worked. Uh, so, and it's a small building. So it's literally a 20 second walk from my desk to that room. You could control who gets in and right. Exactly. Yeah. I could lock the door. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, uh, so I was like, Oh, cool. I'll just, you know, I have time. I can just walk down the hall, do the audition real quick. And doing that, I think I had an added confidence because it was like my turf that it wasn't some strange room or office that I was going to, um, and they were like, yeah, that was good for the callback. Do it or work on a, uh, a Hebrew accent. So I was like, oh, cool. I guess I got a callback. And then the callback Dallas was there. I did that um, and then left. And a few days later, I got the call that I was little James and uh, I showed up on set and and the chosen, like normally I wear a lift in my shoe, my right shoe to keep uh, my legs the same length. And that uh, kind of limits, it, it tones the limp down a little bit. Um, but when I take the lifts out, like if I'm barefoot or in sandals, then it's a little more prominent and a little more noticeable. And Dallas, uh, spotted it and asked me about it on set my very first day and was just like, Hey, I was wondering like, what's your, um, disability or, you know, what's, what's your ailment or, you know, whatever. And he was trying to be careful in his wording. He didn't want to, which uh, it doesn't offend me at all, but like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Right. Uh, so he, he um, asked me and I explained it to him, but deep down I was nervous because I have been, you know, told by casting directors to lose the lamp. I had been told by agents, similar things. I've been 
replaced from projects or cut out of projects because it was too noticeable. Uh, so I, when Dallas said that, I was like, crap, he's going to cut me out. He's going to replace me. Like I, in my mind started just going wild. Um, so we finished all of season one. We did the first four episodes, had like a year off in between, did the next four episodes. And then um, a few months after we wrapped season one, they were writing season two and Dallas texted me and was like, Hey, we want to uh, make your disability part of the character uh, for season two. Is that something you'd be open to? And I was like, yeah, sure. But uh, I was nervous about that too, because then the thing I'm most insecure about is going to be front and center for literally hundreds of millions of people to see. Um, and that was a very vulnerable feeling and a scary feeling, but I was like, you know what i've gotten to acting because i i love allowing myself to be vulnerable and pushing myself and what better way to to make myself vulnerable than revealing my biggest insecurity to the world uh so i said yeah and then they wrote that uh, amazing scene with thomas um and i've i've gotten hints from the writers and from dallas that there's more to come with all of that uh but essentially um, it, it was like, it was very cathartic. It was like going to therapy almost doing that scene because I'm getting to express my own insecurities and my own th like thoughts that I've had in the past. Like, why did I have to be born this way? Why me? Um, you know, why, why couldn't I be like that? And, you know, comparing myself and, and, uh, comparing my journey to the journey of others. I've done that within the acting world, looking at my friends that, you know, when I was booking nothing and my friends are a series regular on some show and being like, why am I not getting that audition? Like, and, you know, kind of pitying myself. And um, I remember all of the, all of those feelings came back when I did that scene and it, it doing it in a controlled environment in a way that uh, allowed me to express myself was it, it like helped me take a step forward and learning to love and accept that about myself. And I think little James, is ultimately on that same journey. Ultimately, he has to understand like, you know what? Not everyone needs to be healed, at least not in the way you think you do. Yeah. Um, not everyone is entitled to being healed. Uh, not, it's not something like, it's something that just doesn't happen for everyone. And that doesn't mean you have less faith. And that doesn't mean that you um, are less worthy or that you're not just as capable, if not more so of, you know, inspiring others so um i think that it's going to be really fun to see little james continue on that journey as i do myself oh yeah yeah no i'm sure that uh there's a lot more install there's the path that you guys are going on is is inspiring to watch and i think it's fantastic what you're doing and you're not only you're you're bringing awareness to so many other actors who have disabilities with your podcast and uh, I think you're involved in the, uh, is it the, uh, the screen act, the, the act, it's some organization where you're, you're helping to, I guess, bring more communication and awareness. And so, yeah. so actors I, not mistreated for what they have, because we didn't pick this stuff. We didn't right. choose this. It was like, yeah. here you go. Sorry. Your mother may have 
maybe she fell or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's true. Like I've I've worked with a couple film festivals and organizations that that um, highlight disabled or differently abled actors and filmmakers, and it's something that uh, I've I was always passionate about being an actor that has a, a disability, but um, I didn't really understand. I, I wasn't fully um, aware of the whole community there is around that. Uh, in doing this podcast, I've interviewed probably half a dozen other uh, actors with disabilities, and uh, I have more lined up and getting to know all of them and their experiences that have so many similarities to my own, but then also so many differences. Even the people that like Josh Blue and um, RJ Mitty, both of them have cerebral palsy, and uh, they like there it affects both of them in totally different ways than it affects myself yeah and that's something that's been really but we also have a lot of things in common so all of that's been really cool um and i think that i interviewed scoop mcnary another great actor uh, just recently and one of the things he told me was uh that if it exists in this world then it should be able to exist in whatever film or or in the industry. Like if it exists in the world, why not put it in this movie? Right. If there's someone that has no limbs or that has Down syndrome or autism or scoliosis or cerebral palsy or whatever, um, why can't they play this character? Why can't they do that? Because they do in real life. Yeah. So yeah, why yeah. do you think people that are you know that don't even really have it? or know it, then they go study it and it's still not perfect, but you, right. it's, you know, it's like, you've got the experience, the talent, the gift, you know, and obviously I think it's just about being informing creators and directors of, of who can do what they can do. Right. Having yeah. Resume. Yeah. I think, I think uh, a lot of people have really good intentions. They just don't, they're not informed on a certain subject or they, they haven't been educated on a certain thing. And I think that's why just in general, all of us, like th there's certain things that I may have like terminology or whatever I've used in the past that it's, that I've learned uh, over the years, but from talking to other people like, Oh, that might've come off as insensitive or that might've um, you know, maybe I could reword it this way or things like that. And it's, it's, uh, just about being humble and, and being open to learning because we only know what we know. And until someone who has experience in a certain area, let like explains us, explain to us like, Hey, this is what it's like. This is what I can do. This is what I can't do. These are my limitations. These are my strengths. Um, then it's like, we, we just don't know. So I think that's why it's so important to be not only open to learning and uh, humbling ourselves, but seeking that constantly, constantly learning and educating ourselves. Yeah. I want to, I want to mention some of the other guests that you've had on your podcast. Cause I I've, I've really enjoyed it. You've Paul Hauser, who is hilarious in uh, he's in the uh, Cobra Kai thing right now. Yeah. Yeah. But he played Richard Jewell, uh, Allison Tomlin, who's Fargo, who is amazing. Yeah. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't know half these people have some form of disability, you know, Rami, who's got one of the funniest shows. Right. I, when I first saw him, I thought, why is he not in the chosen? He looks like one of the, <laughs> one of the cast members. That's me, you know? Yeah, <laughs> no, he'd be, he'd be awesome. Maybe, uh, maybe we can find a spot for him eventually well, it's a rich man <laughs> yeah well a lot of them don't have uh any sort of uh actual like a, a diagnosed disability a lot of them 
because the show is called what's your limp. So I do interview a lot of people with disabilities, but a lot of them, I interview just about the things that they're insecure about or that they've struggled with, whether it's body image issues or, um, you know, uh, depression or anxiety or addiction or, uh, things like that. So that's been, um, like Rami, we talked about, uh, how him being a Muslim teenager, uh, during, or like a 12 year old when nine 11 happened, yeah. um, in New York. And then all of a sudden having people and his peers treat him differently after that, um, as if he's the one that, that did that. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons him and that's him and Steve way, his best friend who has uh, muscular dystrophy, uh, they became best friends in large part because they were both kind of outsiders and, and viewed as different. And now uh, Rami's very passionate about, you know, uh, furthering the, the um, movement of, of actors with disabilities because his best friend is one. So um, he's actually developing a show. We talked about that will all of the leads in the show will be actors with disabilities and the supporting cast will be the able-bodied actors. So it's the opposite of what, you know, a, a normal show is. So um, he's doing a lot of work in that, that area, which is really cool. Better have a park for you. I told him, I was like, I'm going to be reaching out once you, you get further along because I, I want to be involved. Yeah. And one of the actors, you know, who we saw was RJ in Breaking Bad, the son of Walter White, you know, he, yeah very clear disability and it played into his character, but it didn't, you know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. just, it was just, it, it was just that he was just part of the family. Right. Pissed off at his dad. And yeah. Understand it all, but he did it so well. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing what you're doing and bringing this stuff to light. Uh, my audience is going to want to know how has faith played a role in your disability. And, um, you know, in my world growing up, I was in a very religious home. And so I learned optimism and to, to trust, um, in God, not everybody has that experience. I'm curious if you had a, a faith experience growing up, if, if that plays a role in, yeah. in perspective, putting things into perspective for you. For sure. It's something that, uh, growing up, we, so I grew up, um, Technically, I guess we were Episcopalian. I, I went to an Episcopal school and, you know, we had like mass or church services every morning before class and oh. stuff like that. But I, I had no like personal or, or emotional relationship to it. It was just kind of like, this is what we got to do. Um, it, it wasn't, I didn't really feel much of a connection. You know, it was um, very ritualistic, which nothing, you know, it works for some people and, and they're, they get fulfillment. But as a kid, um, I was just like, Oh, this is boring. And I, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel much from it. Um, and it, but if anyone ever asked, it was just kind of like, uh, Oh yeah, yeah, I'm Christian. And it was, it's almost like when someone, uh, like if they're like, yeah, I'm Jewish, but more in a cultural way or a traditional way rather than a, a religious way. So that's kind of my, my, that was my, uh, answer to that for a long time but i always was like um more 
I, I was spiritual in my own way that I was like, I, I think there's something like I'm, I'm an optimist. I, I I'm a glass half full type of person. And it's depressing to think that there's nothing. Right. So I was like, there's gotta be something. So I still like when, if I was feeling sad or worried or anxious or really wanted something, then I would like pray um, because I, I learned how to in school. And it wasn't until I met my wife, who's, uh, uh, she's a, a strong Christian. She grew up in a, a home where, you know, it was more, she had more of an intimate relationship with all of that. Um, and I had a few friends that were similar. So that showed me the more intimate, uh, personal side of it rather than just like the performative side or the, the, um, presentational side, because it, it's, that's what I was exposed to growing up. Um, so that helped seem, helped me see it all in a different light and, and help strengthen, uh, my faith. And, uh, I'm, I'm a thinker, you know, I love, um, I love like figuring out the way things work and how like different things in science correlate with religion and like all of this stuff. I love, I love looking at all that and all of that, like, is, you know, I think the more we, um, question and seek, seek answers, the stronger our, you know, our faith and our, our understanding of everything becomes. So, um, I, I have gotten a lot more passionate about it. And then just being a, a part of the, the chosen, um, even for a, a lot of our, the castmates, like, cause I have a lot of people who have seen a lot of comments where people assume everyone involved right. is like a, a strong Christian. And that's not, the case at all, like and behind the camera or in front of the camera, yeah. there are a lot of people involved who are, but then there's a lot of people who come from very different walks of life. And, and it's, I think that's one of the things that makes the show so special too, is that all of these people with their own unique perspectives and beliefs and faith uh, systems of, of faith or, or lack thereof, or whatever it may be. Um, it brings something to the character and to the project where it's like, it's, it's not this exclusive club. It's like every, anyone and everyone can be a part of this. We're, we're all like making this together. It's not like, nope, sorry, you, you think this, because then if you start limiting, like who can be a part of it based on who they, what they believe or what they think um, it's like, where's the line drawn? Because there's evangelicals, there's Catholics, there's uh, Mormons all involved in the, the production of the show. So it's like, if we started nitpicking, it's like, nope, th this group can stay, but this group can't. Um, and I think that's also not very, that wouldn't be the most Christ-like way to make the show either. Um, I, I think the fact that it's, it's very, um, the, that Dallas and everyone aren't limiting themselves by only going after the people that think the exact same way as them it's enriched the show and helped so many people relate to it because they see themselves in a lot of these characters. And uh, I know that even for, for people involved in the show, whether it's actors or crew members that regardless of, of their, their faith, I've noticed a strong reaction on set to so many different scenes, like the healing of the leper. There was just this crazy, um, energy on set that day where everyone was like, I don't, it almost felt like, um, we all had the same mind almost like we were all focused on the same thing with the sun was setting, but it was just like, it, we, it, we all felt so connected in that moment. And same with, um, the opening of season two, where we're all aged and talking about Jesus. Uh, that was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had on set 
of any set because we are all there, all these friends who I care about deeply, like uh, they're my chosen family. And I mean that they're um, some of the most important people in my life and looking at all of them aged, you know, with gray hair and wrinkles and we're all like sitting there with each other and we're about to do a scene where we're talking about, we're at the funeral of one of our friends and talking about another one of our friends who is also passed away um, in, in a horrible way. It's like we're, we were, um, you know, it was so strange putting ourselves in that mindset because it made me think like, oh, wow, I love all of these people so much. And I hope, you know, I, I think I'll be friends with them forever. Like I can't imagine not, yeah. um, especially after experiencing all this with each other. And I was like, one day, and this is kind of a depressing thought, but I was like, one day we might be like, we'll be at one of our funerals yeah. talking about that person. And that was really strange. So get, getting in that scene, it was like going into that room with um, Thaddeus and and John and we're all aged and we're sitting there. I walked in and the whole crew's there, but everyone's being very quiet and respectful. And like, they know it's a heavy scene and we have to cry. Um, and I just like, I was so nervous going into it. So I was like, I don't know if I can get to that place emotionally. Like I've never had to cry this many times on camera. Um, but it, every single take it, it, the tears were coming. In fact, Dallas had to come over at one point and tell me like, Hey, like pull it back a little bit because it was the start of the scene. And he was like, don't cry yet. Like wait until we're in the scene. Crying on cue. It's oh, yeah, man, it's tricky. But there, there are definitely spiritual experiences, uh, you know, being a part of this show. Uh, you know, there's there's uh, some pretty, pretty crazy moments that we've had. Well, it's beautiful because there's a un- there seems to be this uniting effort uh, where the spirit it's universal for everybody. And yeah. I get so frustrated when I see comments, um, you know, I, I had Noah on the show and yeah, we're praying for Noah. We're praying for Noah. I'm like, please do not pray for Noah. He is happy. Yeah, he I'm is like, so happy. He's the happiest guy. Pray for the really? guys who are not as happy. Yeah. He needs Jesus. Well, he's with him all the time. He's yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and so <clears throat> it's all open for interpretation for everybody. You're trying to do a first century show in the 21st century. Are we in the 21st year? In the 21st century, 20th century Fox. That's what I remember. So, but yeah. we're trying to do a first century show in the 21st century. And so everybody has an opinion. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing when you do Jesus, because somebody may look at an image of Jesus and go, that's my Jesus. Well, that's not my Jesus, my Jesus, my Jesus. It's all Depeche Mode was completely correct. Your own personal Jesus. Yeah. And uh, what you guys have done is the the genius of bringing diversity having not just christian actors but jewish actors having yeah. people with different backgrounds people of you know no faith yeah united in doing something great because yeah that scene with the uh uh um healing the leper when i saw yeah. that i was thinking of my lgbtq plus friends right Jesus would have reached out and loved on that person with all their heart. Yeah. And so you look, everybody's looking at it through a different lens. 
I have, uh, I interviewed a, a good friend of mine on uh, my podcast and I've known him for over a decade. His name is Chris Sapphire. He was one of the stars of the reality show on Netflix, the circle. Um, and uh, he is a, a proud gay man is also a very strong Christian and loves Jesus and loves the chosen. And uh, you know, was, has been on like the, or is he used to have a, a, podcast where it was him and a bunch of uh drag queens telling stories and laughing but they were some of the most loving ex- accepting warm people i've ever met um but interviewing him it was something that uh was was fascinating to me because he it's these two things that mo- that a lot of people would look at and say oh those are um mutually exclusive you can't be both of those things and it's like well he is it's the same principle like if anything can exist in this world um, then that that's, it's, it's a thing like it's real. And he, those are two parts of him, um, that he, he shared with me on the, the podcast, but when he was a teenager, uh, was about to attempt suicide because of being mm. bullied by other adults, um, after yeah. he came out. Yeah. Um, and it's like, whenever I look at stuff like that, um, it's just all about like, again, being open to other people's experiences and listening to what they have to say, whether or not you, you uh, uh relate to it or agree with it or or understand it or anything i think just being open to other people because that that's what empathy is is just like being there for other people and listening to them and and loving them and and trying to understand where they're coming from um and i think that that's something the show has has helped people with a lot yeah. and i think that uh you know like you said with with noah or anyone else um i've i've had people ask me as well like hey which one of your castmates or, or, or can you tell me which castmates uh, aren't believers so i can pray for them it's been a similar thing and it's like one i don't want to single anyone out like it's not my place at all to talk about anyone's faith or lack thereof on the show but um i can say that we uh, and this is what i tell fans anytime they ask something like that um that we all are, regardless of each of our individual faiths or um, spiritualities, uh, all of us are totally committed to telling this story in the best way possible. We all are united in that and that we have a love for this project. We have a love for each other and we have a love for the material. Um, and uh, that's, you know, that's what, that's why the, the, product is is as good as it is i think because we all truly do have a love and passion for it and for each other i love it i love it uh, let's shift to a little humor here when are you going to be cast as adam sandler as the- <laughs> right i've auditioned for a young adam sandler back when i was a teenager i did twice auditioned for <laughs> to play a young him um but we'll see i get him and jason biggs mostly jason um, biggs yeah well the get- American pie man Yep. I get both of them, but, uh, we'll see. I, I've done, it was funny. Cause the first few things I did, I was, it was all comedy. It was like, um, I did a few indies, they were dramas, but I was more of like the comedic relief. And, um, I had done some like Disney stuff as a kid and, yeah. uh, things like that. But it, since uh, for, for a while, really, I've only done drama, with like the chosen, most of it's pretty dramatic. I, I did this like 1883, which is pretty heavy. Um, I did Washington's armor where I play this French bad guy, mm-hmm. um, all of these things, but I do have a comedic role coming out. I can't say what it is yet, um, but it's, I will say it's one of, it is the uh, highest profile thing I've ever been a part of. 
Um, and it's something that will come out hopefully this year. Um, but it is, it's a comedic role. So I'm excited to, uh, it was fun getting to stretch that muscle. You can't reveal it. I can't reveal it because of the NDAs, but, um, it is you right now. Let's see. Do what? It's not on my IMDb. Uh, Come on, Jordan. (laughs) But it will be, uh. I will, I'll give a hint. It comes out, uh, the second half of the year that I'll, I'll narrow it down for you a little bit, but, uh, that's award season. That's award season. So (laughs) we'll see. I I hope so. But, uh, yeah. The 1883. Um, I love this show. My ancestors, uh, it's funny because when you, when I first saw it, the script, I'm like, this is the story of my ancestors who fled, uh, Scotland. Uh-huh. They joined the Mormon church in 1846 and they came, they, they walked 188 miles to Liverpool, got on a ship and then went to Mississippi. Um, her husband was sick. She, she went up and got some supplies and they met in winter quarters and then they started making this trek. And so when I'm watching the show, I'm like, there you are, like one of my ancestors struggling in this brand new land that's supposed to be free and yet the cost of freedom is so intense yeah and tim mcgraw and faith hill i i think that's his best role ever i agree yeah it, it helps to have his wife there who challenges him who's much more talented than him and and and, and it's just incredible um are we going to be seeing more of you i think there's only like five episodes right now but are we going to be seeing more of you there there will be a little bit more uh i'm in uh, almost every episode. So, uh, I can't say exactly how many yet. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, there, there's some more of, of my character, Mikkel and his wife, Alina. Um, we have, we have some, some cool moments in the next episode. Actually, uh, there may be a couple glimpses of us, uh, you know, doing some fun stuff, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like one getting to work with Sam, uh, who I've, met on and off over the years to my grandpa yeah dude and then uh he's he's great but then with uh tim and faith they're both so down to earth and and normal and like they'll they'll mention something like they when you talk to them they just seem like some middle-aged couple you'd like go to the same church with or, or you know or that you'd run into at the grocery store or something just so normal but then you know, you'll be talking to Tim and he'll just be, ca- and it's not in a braggy way, but he'll just be like casually telling a story of like me and uh, me, Faith and and Tom, Tom Hanks were spear fishing off of our private island in the Bahamas. Right. Um, and like saying stuff like that. And you're like, oh yeah, this is Tim McGraw I'm talking to who yeah. owns an island. Yeah. Um, and it's like, there's a uh, careful these days owning islands. Yeah, right. I think he actually recently sold his island, um, which is so funny to say, like his island. I, I can't even fathom. But um, just the idea that these people, th- this couple, this power couple, uh, you know, has more money in materialistic things that, that you, than yeah. you can even fathom. But there's none of it has gotten to their head. Yeah. None of it has. Th- they're just so nice and kind and. Um, you hang out with them on set. Like I, I always have my foot. Anyone that watches the chosen BTS videos knows that I always have a football with me on set and 1883 was no different. 
Um, so it's like, I'd spend the days hanging out and throwing the football with, with Tim or skipping rocks with him. I beat him in a rock skipping contest, which is, I, I told him I, in my, my card, whenever I wrapped, I gave everyone uh, little handwritten cards and his at the end, I was like, PS, I'm going to brag about beating you in that rock skipping contest for the rest of my life. Um, so well, lives by that song, be humble and kind. He, he really does. I, you know, I live in, Nashville. his reputation is stellar. We used to live by where they lived and um it's it's incredible just but to see the couple committed on this show and i love that uh you know i love the scene where uh, the main one of the main characters the 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 beautiful isabel may uh who is elsa dutton you know if you're watching yellowstone the dutton name you know the dutton name and elsa was one of the great uh grandmothers and but she gets your pants she's yes pants and they're your pants yeah, which is Somewhat, a controversial thing at that time for a yeah. wear pants, but they did it. Someone told me uh, that I essentially invented blue jeans for women. You did. Uh, you created which, a uh, nut in rebellion. Yeah, yeah, right. So you're welcome, world. <laughs> uh, without Mikkel, Yellowstone would not have been a thing. No, oh. but uh, yeah, it's that. That was a fun scene, and then uh, it's been fun because I the last several things that I've done, like the chosen with that accent, it it comes very easily at this point. But then Mm. for 1883, I had to learn Romanian accent, but then I also speak Romanian and German in the the show. Um, I uh, did another thing where I speak in a French accent and have to speak some French. So that's been really, really fun getting to do all these different um, accents. Oh, but before uh, you asked about, uh, or you mentioned about your, your ancestors, on a similar journey. Um, that's been one of the craziest things about it is getting to like, cause it's all real, all the covered wagons you see on the show. None of that CGI. There's, we, we had 40 covered wagons, all the horses, all the hundreds of extras. Um, and that was so surreal, uh, getting to like walk through these prairies and, and up in Montana, it was freezing and like, uh, there was, it was just so cool getting to experience all of these things and also made me grateful that I wasn't alive during that time. Cause I wouldn't have made it five minutes. Um, it, but it, yeah, it's just, it's nuts, you know, and I can see why, you know, the Mormon culture is embracing the show thus far. Cause we never know where Yellowstone's going to go, right. um, but it, it is the story of our ancestors. Anybody that had ancestors go on the Oregon trail or, or whatever uh, it, we don't really, I, I don't think a lot of us recognize the sacrifice made by these people. And, and most of the immigrants were not the ones that displaced the indigenous people. They were the, the, the original colonizers that were part of the, um, um, and I'm sure historians will correct me, but it wasn't the, like my ancestors came over and illegally immigrated to the United States. And they, they bypassed the United States and went to Utah territory, which was Mexico. Yeah. So they were illegally immigrating, completely displaced, and they survived by becoming friends with the indigenous peoples until Johnston's army came in. And that's a whole nother, that'd be a whole nother epic. Yeah. The saga of Brigham Young, which would be really chaotic and fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so I digress because the show is, uh, has taken me down the 
memory lane of all the stories I would hear growing up. Um, my grandparents knew their grandparents who walked across the plains. That's, that's what's crazy. So, yeah. Well, dude, I am so honored to have you here on this program. And I want everybody to uh, go to jordanwalkerross.com and your podcast is What's Your Limp? Yes. And that's clearly everywhere. If you're on any form of podcast, you're listening to this podcast, you'll just hop over and, and check out What's Your Limp? Awesome. Thank any, you so much. Yeah, man. Anything else going on besides that amazing comedy and you're raising kids and your wife is your wife working is she is she got a what's her what's her amazing gift besides uh, so her thing is um she like uh, i don't know how she does it but she's she's been a stay-at-home mom since we've we've had kids and we've got three we've got a six-year-old girl a three-year-old girl and a one-year-old boy so uh she's got it her her hands full. I, our six-year-old, I'm, I barely got onto this uh, interview in time because our, uh, you know, those pull-up bars that you could put on like the door frame. I had that up in our bathroom and my six-year-old went and slammed the door because she was upset about something, but it fell and had clunked her on the head. So she's got oh. a big old knot and bruise oh. there. So I was dealing with a crisis right before the interview, but I, I made it. She's good now. Um, You're like, you have a disability now. So, right. Yeah. But, uh, we, uh, my, my wife having to do be the stay at home mom, like she's very talented. She's a a great teacher. She, she got her degree in education and, uh, hasn't been able to use it in an official capacity because she's been momming, uh, but she's been doing it at home, homeschooling our, our oldest, uh, especially during, you know, these last couple of years with all the craziness of COVID, um, she's been able to, you know, uh, make the most of her, her degree and, uh, homeschool our oldest. And, um, but yeah, she, she's been amazing, uh, throughout all of this. Like before I was home all the time because I was a broke actor, barely getting by. And so we had no money, but I was at least home now. Um, thankfully, you know, we're very grateful. I I'm working as an actor where I'm able to provide for, for all of us through that. Um, but I've been away a lot more, you know, for, for 1883, it was five months of shooting on and off, uh, where, you know, I was away for weeks at a time, um, in Amarillo or in Montana, same with the chosen. I was in, uh, Utah for almost two months and that was right at the height of COVID. So, you know, they couldn't all travel and come out there with me. So that's been, uh, the biggest struggle, but she's, she's been able to, uh, her and all the kids are still alive so that she's doing something right but uh it's it was uh you know it takes a special person to to be a stay-at-home mom especially for for three young kids it's it's a, a challenge but she does a great job it's the hardest i don't know but i think it's the hardest job i know what it's like when i'm in charge of the kids it's <laughs> challenging and yeah there, there's a gift that is there that I can't even comprehend. So, hey, man, uh, I appreciate you. Go bond with the kids and enjoy your Saturday, man. I'm, I'm going to do so. Because you took my sky.